match of the year. Well, that's what people are saying. That's what people are saying. Carlos Alcaraz beats Yannick Sinner in five sets, a thrilling five-setter, five hours and 18 minutes of pure excitement, adrenaline, and quality at the US Open, a 2022 quarterfinal, which we covered, by the way. Let's get into Before we do, though, remember to hit that like button and subscribe to the channel if you are new. Thank you so much for tuning in. Also, leave a rating or review if you are listening or watching on a podcast platform. Thank you to everyone who joined for the live stream watch along and commentary that I did. It was a, <clears throat> I've got to be honest with you, it was like the whole night. And if it wasn't as exciting as it was, I would have really struggled. And um, it was already pretty tough, uh, not sleeping a single bit. And then, but you know what? It was worth it. It was worth it because, as I said, a lot of people marking it as match of the year. And look, I mean, there's still time for a match of the year, but it would definitely be a contender, rightly so, because it had everything. It had literally everything that you could ask for an all-time classic. And it was two young talents, two players who were playing at the top of their game in large periods of it as well, competing at the highest level. And it was just such a seesaw type match with so many different moments, so many different chances for both players. And in the end, Alcaraz coming out victorious. But I tell you what, Sinner had his chances, including a match point. And we're getting in, into that in more detail. But <clears throat> I have to say, when... The matchup first came out, I was excited. Um, and then I actually predicted Alcaraz in five. Now, I don't want to say that I'm Nostradamus because it, it was very, very close to being Sinner in four. But obviously, he did do it in five since in the end. A lot of people thought Sinner might have too much on the back of the court in terms of power. He'd just beaten Alcaraz in Umag and also at Wimbledon, so on the clay and grass. So everyone's thinking, you know what? He's going to complete the, the collection and beat him on hard court. The head-to-head -head was two all going into this. Alcaraz had won the first two meetings, Sinner the last two meetings this year, of course, as I mentioned. And Alcaraz, you know, a lot of people thought the pressure of potentially, you know, being or becoming world number one if he was to win this. And, you know, he goes on to win the tournament. He definitely becomes world number one. Uh, the chance to win a Grand Slam as well with no Djokovic, no Nadal, no Medvedev in there. Uh, you know, we were talking about people with elite backhands and, you know, he had to come up against Sinner. Uh, but after Sinner, he's not, uh, you know, we'll talk about TFO and, you know, potential other opponents in a different video. So keep an eye out for the semi-final previews I'm going to be doing as well. But this was a real step up, I think, from Alcaraz um, after the two losses to Sinner. Now, Sinner, I don't think his level was any lower than the Umag or Wimbledon wins. I actually think potentially even higher at times. I think Alcaraz stepped up, though, um, he definitely dropped off in moments in the match, but when it really mattered in the sense that, you know, when he really had to fight to survive, it was survival of the fittest and he came out on top. And that's kind of how I how I saw it because I was ripping my hair out about Alcaraz in uh, the first, you know, well, the second and third sets, uh, which were tiebreakers, but he did really well to recover. So let, let's break it down then. So Alcaraz won 6-3, 6767563 so the two sets that Sinner won were tiebreakers you might so you might think okay hold on Sinner then was you know potentially a little bit fortunate because Alcaraz could have won in straight sets well in the second set Alcaraz was a breakup 
as was the case in the third set as well. There was a breakup in both those sets. And if I'm not mistaken, he got broken back straight away. Now, that was really disappointing, I think, from an Alcaraz point of view, of course. And in the second set, he had four set points, if I'm not mistaken, and didn't take any of them. Didn't take any of them. Uh, I think he had a set point in the tiebreaker. Um, actually, I think it might even be five, but he definitely had one, at least one set point in the second set in the tiebreaker, potentially two, but he had three on Sinner's serve. He was love 40 up on Sinner's serve and Sinner managed to hold in the end. Yes, there was some clutch serving from Sinner and this was a, a this was definitely a factor and a, a pattern throughout the whole match was Sinner coming up clutch in big moments to save himself uh, in service games and also in big, big moments in the first three sets anyway. Alcaraz took the first set 6-3 and Sinner was a little bit all over the place, I have to say. Not many winners either and just wasn't particularly playing the type of tennis we were expecting him to. It wasn't serving that well either. But then the second and third sets, he turned it from the second set onwards, he kind of turned it on uh, for sure. And what was interesting is that in those moments, he just came out with these incredible points, whether it was a long run, he would come out on top or it was a serve that was inch perfect. Uh, he just played some phenomenal ice cool tennis and he's gaining a reputation as a player who is so calm, cool and collected under pressure and is able to re-rise to the occasion. And that's why I think he's had comparisons drawn between himself and Novak Djokovic. Novak Djokovic is the same, right? He... How many times has he been match points down? How many times has he been break points down? He's managed to recover and want to win. So, you know, Djokovic showed it against Sinner at Wimbledon this year, right? When Sinner was two sets of up. So, Sinner has a similar quality about him, no doubt. And that is a fantastic thing to have. His mentality is very, very strong. Uh, and I think, you know, he played some fantastic tennis. I think overall, I would say, if we're talking about general play, and quality, I think Sinner was slightly better, but he wasn't being Sinner, Alcaraz, that is. Um, so Alcaraz's level generally was was better than Sinner's, I thought. But Sinner was being more clinical in the first three sets, which is why he found himself two sets of one up. Whereas Alcaraz, in some of the big moments, he folded a little bit. That was, that was a little bit disappointing for him, of course, because he would have thought I could actually have won this in straight sets given he was a breakup in both the second and third sets or at least been two sets of one up, right? One and one of the tiebreakers. So we can forget about the first set because in the first set is a little bit of a write-off. It didn't, wasn't really a fair reflection of where um, Sinner was and also this match was going to go. But the second set was fantastic. And as I said, Alcaraz uh, got the break and then Sinner broke back. Uh, we then went into a tiebreaker after... Uh, you know, Alcaraz failed to take multiple set points on Sinner's serve. And we're going to the tiebreaker, and it's just a it's a cracker, it really is. They can they go back and forth, back and forth. And the biggest pattern I think that impressed me the most about Alcaraz was the fact that in the backhand to backhand exchanges, he handled them a lot better in this match. Uh, now, you might say, well, okay, well, it was a very close one for Zan, and actually only just came out to it. And that's true. But you have to remember that in Amag and also Wimbledon, he got 
potentially destroyed. Like, as in, yes, you know, Umag was three sets and Norman was four sets, but apart from the set he won, which was very, very close in both of those matches, he got he got destroyed in the other sets, really. And that was mainly down to Sinner serving extremely well. And um, just the serve return dynamics was dominating them, Sinner, and also the backhand to backhand exchanges, and also being able to somehow outmaneuver Sinner in the forehand to forehand exchanges as well, which is definitely an alarming thing for, for Alcaraz. But let's talk about the backhand. Uh, and I know I've gone a bit off topic in terms of going through set by set. And the reason why is because I've, I think it's better to break it down from, you know, patterns of play, tactics, and like general. Uh, I think I think general patterns of play that we saw because it's easy to just go through and say, well, okay, in the second set, this happened and, and key moments. And, and I get that and that's fine. But I know from you guys, you want more of a technical an analysis from what I've heard. And I think it's much better to convey it like that and, and also tell you guys who have listened to the preview as well and, and know my thoughts on this matchup, how this match went differently. And one of the biggest differences was that backhand to backhand exchange. It was because Alcaraz, as I said, he, one of his biggest flaws is the fact that if he comes up against someone with an elite backhand, a Sinner, a Zverev, a Djokovic, a Massetti, a, you know, whoever else with an elite backhand, he will struggle in those exchanges and come up second best because his backhand is not a weakness, but it's also not a super strength like his forehand. And it's something that can be exploited if you play against someone with an elite backhand. They will find good angles. They will force him to hit a lot of backhands uh, defensively where he's looking awkward on the stretch, having to slice when he doesn't want to. And then end, ending, up, well, ending up giving the opponent a lot of short balls to attack and pounce on uh, and in the end, losing or his backhand breaks down in the rally instead. So what was impressive to me is that what he did very, very well, and I was impressed with this, is he just he accepted the fact that, okay, if I get into these rallies, I'm most likely going to come out second best. So the majority of the time what he did is he said, okay, if Sinner's not hitting a backhand that is with enough depth and width, I'm going to make sure that I'm running around it in your forehand. Whether it's an into-out forehand, whether it's an into-in forehand, I need to get and break the the chain of this backhand-to-backhand -backhand exchange because I'm going to come out second best. I need to make sure that Sinner is not getting comfortable in that exchange. Uh, I need to change the dynamic. So... He then went into out with the forehand multiple times. He And the one thing he also did, which I thought was even more impressive, is he went line first. And it's not the fact that he just went line first. He went line first, but hard into the center forehand. And that was really good because what it meant is that he went into hard into the center forehand. And then Sinner, yes, maybe was okay to hit the forehand cross, but he wasn't going to go down the line into the Alcaraz backhand again because it was a risky shot. So he'd go percentage play, go forehand cross. Alcaraz knew that he defends the forehand side much, much better than the backhand side. And he got himself into a more comfortable situation. So that was extremely impressive um, because, you know, it's easier said than done. And I think for the majority of the time, he managed to get out of that dynamic uh, more often than not, which is great. I guess the other thing is that in those backhand to backhand exchanges, he 
at times would of course try to drag Sinner out, but I think majority of the time he, as I said, he conceded the fact that it wasn't a great matchup for him, so he might go slightly more central with it, and I knew that he might get into out forehand from Sinner, or Sinner would not be able to use as much angle on the backhand to then drag Alcaraz out, so he would then be able to hit an into out forehand as well, uh, potentially in response. So it was very intelligent from Alcaraz, from what I could see, and as I was watching it. Uh, and Sinner is someone who utilizes angles extremely well. Um, and I think Alcaraz kind of tried to take that away from him a little bit, and it worked. It did. Um, the other thing I think that Alcaraz did very well was coming to the net. I thought he came to the net pretty impressively for the most part. So did Sinner, actually. And we'll talk about both players because Sinner ironically, came to the net almost twice as many times as Alcaraz. 42 out of 64 net points won for Sinner, 66%. 23 out of 36 net points won for Alcaraz, 64%. Now, let's talk about Sinner because he was really impressive at the net. Now, it's something that I've never seen predominantly in his game ever. It's something that okay, I've seen in parts, but it's clearly something he's worked on. He knows that, look, I've got so much power from the back of the court. Why am I not trying to finish off points earlier by hitting, an, hitting a good approach if it's a short ball or a ball that I can come in behind and then killing it with the volley? And he realized that. And both these guys are great passers of a tennis ball. So it just shows how, how good they were at judging when to come to the net because those net points one percentages would have been a lot lower if they'd faced, um, sorry, a lot higher even if they'd faced someone who wasn't as good uh, genuinely so what i would say is i was extremely extremely impressed especially with sinner's willingness to come forward and not just his willingness to come forward but his execution his volleying still isn't as natural i would say as alcaraz is but it's good enough and his approaches are very very good and he knew look if i approach the alcaraz forehand more often than not uh, he probably will punish me uh, but he also knew actually that I can't always go into the backhand because I go into the backhand. Alcaraz's backhand lob is, is phenomenal. And there are a couple of points where he just had to suck it up and Alcaraz hit incredible backhand lobs. And Sinner looks silly trying to smash and, and kind of couldn't reach it. And uh, he got lobbed. So there's a bit of variation there as well, which is good to see from Sinner. Uh, he wasn't just going into the backhand because, as I said, he knew the backhand lob is, is so good from Alcaraz. Um, but if he wasn't going to the forehand, he tried to go at an angle uh, and try and make Alcaraz really go for broke down the line. Um, which Alcaraz, you know, at times would make, but it, it wasn't uh, a regular occurrence. And he ended up getting quite a few easy volleys <clears throat> and did also hit some fantastic drop volleys as well, Sinner. So despite me saying that it's not as natural, it seems to be a very, very good tactic for him to continue to use. And it's only going to get better. And I think that's what was so impressive to me about Yannick Sinner uh, coming to the net. And I was really, really happy to see him coming forward um what i would also say is for carlos alcaraz he was a bit more selective then about coming to the net as the figures show and the reason why is because he knew that if i come to that and just rush to the net sin is going to pass but not only will he pass me i i need to find the right opportunities and for the majority of the first three sets, 
Sinner was actually winning the longer rallies. He was he was winning those exchanges. And despite, obviously, the backhand-to-backhand exchange, which I said Akros was having more success on, the success kind of increased set by set, I would say. Uh, the forehand-to-forehand dynamic was better than what it was in Umag or Wimbledon. I felt like Alcaraz had more control in that. Uh, Sinner, you know, was able to hit some fantastic angled winners at times, but generally, you know, Alcaraz um, had his fair share of points that he was able to win uh, in those exchanges. And and both players at times were just hitting incredible depth and power into corners, defensively just unbelievable I mean, Alcaraz, the way that he chases down balls, there was obviously that incredible point, which will be on tennis TV, where, you know, he hits a return, then Sinner goes approach shot, and uh, it goes behind Alcaraz, and Alcaraz sticks his racket out behind his back, somehow gets back into play, and then ends up winning the point by passing Sinner. I mean, it's just incredible, genuinely incredible. Uh, And these two guys are unbelievable athletes. And that's why this match had everything, because it had some incredible winners. I mean, we had a total of 119 winners, right, between the two. Um, but, you know, both are, you know, I would say Sin is a biggest server generally with, um, you know, eight aces, uh, Alcaraz of five. But because they're so good at returning, we ended up seeing these incredible rallies, but they weren't just plodding rallies. They were rallies where both players were getting dragged backwards and forwards, side to side, we saw uh, net points. We saw points on the back of the court. We saw little drop shots, little dinks. Uh, we saw lobs. I mean, it had genuinely everything to it. Drama. And that's what makes this an all-time classic because there's some matches that are five-setters and they're great, but you just have players that have a specific style that they utilize and that's it, and they don't have the the variety to their game. Both these guys do. Sinner in the past was just seen as a power base, and he's not anymore. He's bulked up his serve. He's able to come to the net as well. Alcaraz has always been someone who has the variety. And both players just gelled into this incredible, um, incredible competitive, uh, you know, match that I think gave us a, a sneak peek, hopefully, into the future of tennis, which is going to be guys like Sinner and Alcaraz competing for major titles in big, big matches. And we will most likely will see this many more times. And I can't wait to watch it because if this is what tennis is going to be like, then I love Nadal. I love Djokovic. I love Federer. I love those guys. And they will be so Miss Murray as well. Like all of these guys, the old guard. But it looks like tennis might be in safe hands going forward with these guys. These guys are not going to probably dominate you know, like the goats, like the big three, like the big four, or big three, I guess. Um, but, but, I tell you what, it'll be exciting. It'll be exciting to watch, that's for sure. And uh, Sinner, has to be pointed out, had a match point in the fourth set. It was only one, but he did have a match point in the fourth set. He was five four up, serving for the set. So he was serving for the set of five four up. Um, and actually, before we talk about that, let's talk about that second set tiebreak where obviously Sin- uh, Alcaraz had set points. He didn't capitalize. And in the end, Sinner took the set 9-7. And I did say at the time on commentary that I thought whoever took that set, similar to the Kyrgios Medvedev match, when that was, I think it was 13-11 in the first set tiebreaker, whoever took that set most likely would go on to win the match. Now, in the end, that wasn't the case. And that's what made it even more incredible uh, that Alcaraz managed to fight 
mentally more than anything back to a winning position and ended up converting. Um, so the 9-7 in that tiebreaker, Alcaraz was disappointed because he had chances, of course, multiple set points, more than Sinner. Probably played a better tennis in the set, but in the clutch moments, Sinner was uh, was victorious and rightfully so because, like I say, tennis isn't about how many points you win. It's about how you manage your games, how you manage your sets, and Sinner did much, was much better at doing that. He saved a lot of break points um, and then also managed to save set points and converted when he had the chance. A uh, third set was, a, again, a tiebreaker. Alcaraz, again, had the breakup, uh, again, got broken back. And, I mean, that was just a throwaway set, a tiebreaker. I mean, seven love. He was off the boil. He was frustrated. I think he knew. You could see on his face, like, uh, his, his, you know, his competitive edge had dropped down a little bit in scale because he knew, he knew after that, you know, after winning the first set and the second set tiebreaker, and he knew he should have won the second set. Third set as well, he's thinking it was a breakup. It's a lot. It's a lot to digest um, for him. So he then went two sets to one down, and I was thinking he's done. I was thinking Alcaraz is done. Sinner's going to win us in four sets because mentally he just looked like he was he was done. He was absolutely done. And then he gets the early break in the fourth set. And I'm thinking, wow, because he started off very shaky. Sinner looked like he might break him. He didn't. He didn't have any opportunities, but he had inroads in the Alcaraz serve. And Alcaraz ended up breaking Sinner early doors, and he went on to win the set 7-5 in what can only be described as an incredible mental comeback from the Spaniard. And they're thinking, okay, two sets all. And not only by the way did he take that set 7-5, he saved a match point because at 5-4 Sinner was serving for the match so Sinner so Alcaraz got the early break in that set Sinner then broke him back and then he broke Alcaraz as well if I'm not mistaken to go 5-4 up so he was 5-4 up serving for the set he got one match point on his serve didn't take it Alcaraz saved it and then not only did he save it he broke Sinner took it to 5 all, and then won uh, the next two games he won three games in a row to take the set 7-5 which was just incredible it really was, given that he just saved the match point. Uh, and Sinner then, you're thinking, okay, mentally, how's he going to handle it? But the fifth set, I have to say, was very exciting as well. Now, yes, Alcaraz got the break. Um, it was relatively early in the fifth set, uh, and Sinner then wasn't able to recover. But there was some incredible tennis set on display. Um, and look, Alcaraz took it in the end. Uh, but I have to give kudos to Sinner because he played some unbelievable tennis and he is improving so much. I mean, he's improved more than Alcaraz in the last year and a half, two years, in my opinion. That's how good I think he's been. Um, yet he's a couple of years older as well. And, you know, he's still got a long, long way to go in terms of his development, as is Alcaraz. These guys are going to become phenomenal players. They're already incredible players. Um, but it was a pleasure to watch. It really was. Um, I know I've used a lot of superlatives in this post-match analysis, but I, it's really hard to to describe how good this was. It really was. Um, a couple of more technical points as I've talked more generally in the last a few, the last five, ten minutes is uh, obviously the serve-return dynamic was interesting because Alcaraz, I thought, might struggle with the center serve. He started reading it a lot better. Sinner went into the Alcaraz backhand a lot early doors and he had a lot of success. He went away from that, I think, from the second set onwards and not completely, but at 
in spurts and like in periods, he then would start going into the back end a lot and he would get success. But he started varying it up mainly because he was struggling with his serve in the sense that he hit 11 double faults in over five sets uh, and he, he was struggling a lot uh, with just getting a serve in and making um, his first serve at times of 55% of first serves in, but across 65%. So that kind of 10% difference is, is pretty substantial. And obviously the 11 double faults is not ideal. So uh, he, I think, had that in the back of his mind as well. And he started then going a bit more conservative with the first serve at times, except for the big points, which in fairness to him, he, he would go big into corners and he'd save a lot of break points. Uh, so Alcaraz then had more success, I think, in the return games. I think he's, his ability to read the serve was a lot better as well. He attacked the second serve of Sinner, stepping a lot of the time, a lot of return winners. Um, I think, yes, he had some success on the Alcaraz return, uh, serve as well. And one thing I want to point out, which I don't know why Alcaraz, so there's a period of one of the sets where he started going kick serve on the ad side to Sinner's backhand. I was just thinking this is a silly tactic because it's a tactic you utilize on a clay court when it's high bouncing and slow um, and it's a potential serve to use. But even then, I don't think you should always use it. Alcaraz started and it was so, it was a, a telegraphed, you know, tactic because he would just adjust his serve uh, position by moving closer to the tram lines and then he'd deliver it into the backhand and you're just thinking at 88, 90 miles an hour for a first serve, and Sinner started winning a lot of points um, behind that return. Just backhand return down the line, winner, um, or you know, cross-court against the rally, ended up winning those points. Um, Alcaraz persisted with it for a little bit, and then I think he thought he could use it as like a bluff, so he'd stick to that serve position, but then go hard down the tee, flat down the tee for the first serve, and that worked a couple of times, but yeah, it was just a really bizarre change of tactic, and I'm not sure why he went for it. It didn't really work um, for me, and you know, it's not a clay court, not just that. I, it seems to be a tactic that he likes to try and utilize, but it's not one that I think is or should be a go-to. It's it's one that should be a variation at times potentially, uh, but yeah, a, a bizarre, bizarre choice from me. Uh, for me to witness, but generally he served pretty well. Uh, hit spots pretty uh, pretty well at times, uh, which is good to see. Um, not as clutch as Sinner um, behind his serve in the big points, but return-wise, he was incredible. And defensively, I mean, you know, Sinner's good defensively, but Alcaraz, unbelievable. Made Sinner play one, two, three more shots than expected. And it was just incredible to see a couple of incredible passes as well on the stretch. And in the end, obviously, he came out on top in what was an incredible and entertaining affair. That's what I'm going to talk about because I think I've talked a long time about this. And I'm sure you guys have already read and listened to a lot about this. But look, I'm just going to say it again. Is it match of the year? We shall see. Incredible display of tennis from two incredible players. Thank you very much, guys, for tuning in. Do appreciate it. Remember to hit that like button and subscribe if you're new. And we'll see you on the next video. Thank you very much.